0: Welcome once again to the Irish NFL Podcast. As always, I'm Mark Cockrell, a fan of the Newtonian New England Patriots. And as always, I'm joined by my best friends, uh, Brian O'Leary, a a fan of the uh, Nobelian, we'll say, New York Giants. Good evening, Brian. Good evening, Mark. And as always, the man in the middle, Mr. Gordon Bridgefield, a fan of the uh, uh, Pavlovian, we'll say, Pittsburgh Steelers. Good evening, Gordon. Mark, how are you getting on? So, you know, first of all, the scientific basis, guys, of course, Newtonian, we'll come to that with the Patriots in due course, but uh, Nobel invented dynamite, and the Giants are already always willing to explode, and Pavlov, of course, had the conditioned reflex, and uh, the Steelers can't get out of cover two, cover two, cover two, so they're just conditioned for it. Anyway, um, I will get straight to the point, we're here, been a while since we've had a pod, but... Speaking of dynamite, we are dealing with a bit of dynamite contractual news in recent days, with the news, of course, that the Kansas City Chiefs have locked up Patrick Mahomes on a 10-year contract extension, basically locking him down for the next 12 years, in what's being called a mega deal, the biggest money deal of all time, Um, but there's maybe a bit more nuance to it all. So, um, I'll kick off with the boys here, who wants to kick off first and tell us how you how you feel? I mean, Gordo, you're um, you know, Patrick Mahone's favourite godfather, I think, in terms of the love you shared for him in 2018. Well,
1: to be honest, the fact that I know he's going to be there for the next 10, 12 years, maybe I should switch my allegiance again, you know? Um, suddenly become a Kansas City, uh, City's Chief uh, fan. It's, uh, I, I, It was interesting. Albert Breer of the MMQB and um, a few of the journalists there put up a post a few months back saying, Kansas City Chiefs have no other way about this. They just simply have to pay out Patrick Mahomes. Like there's no two ways about it. His uh, his his uh, agent is your man Steinberg, that the the movie Jerry, yeah. Jerry Maguire is based off. So he was shouting down the phone, "Show me the money." Um, and the Kansas City Chiefs have done just that. So a record deal worth, in essence, four hundred and seventy-seven million. Out of kind of numbers being thrown around, but I think when you kind of look at the detail of it, sixty-three million fully guaranteed at signing uh injury guarantee which is the really interesting one when it comes to long term deal like this and the kind of piece that everyone's been talking about is Mahomes just wanted uh certainty and you know security moving forward. So 141 million injury guaranteed. Um like it's an insane contract and like we've seen what he's done for two years. The rumors are that nobody's that surprised. There's nobody saying geez this is a big move by by the city uh, by the Kansas City Chiefs Personally, I I don't know. The more and more I think about, I'm kind of going like is is he as good as we're making him out to be? Like I know he's won a Super Bowl, I know he's had two amazing years, but it's it's an astronomical contract. But again, did they have any other option? I I think that's kind of what I'm kind of wondering at the moment.
2: It's an astronomical contract, but I still think the Chiefs are on the right side of the contract. I mean Chiefs are in very much win now mode. They won a national obviously. Favorites again going forward. If you actually look at the de- details of the early part of the contract, ten million signing on fee initially when the contract signed, that's your run in the mill signing for a free agent. First year five million, second year twenty-four million, third year twenty-one million. It's not gonna do a it's not gonna be a dramatic hit to their cap. Like I think everybody thought the cap would catch up on the Chiefs once they paid Mahomes, the but I think they've looked at it and find their Hang out with this money, but there's a lot of ifs and buts. You know, what's to say in five years the NFL is in a different place from a, a marketing standpoint and all the money that's been made. Is Mahomes in five years going to look at the contract and say, you know, what, contract has fallen behind the times? Is he going to be back at the table looking to renegotiate? Well,
1: and I think I think that's a really interesting one that you say is in because this is the thing, everyone says ten-year contract extension. But again, if Mahomes plays out 10 full years of a standard that he's showcased so far, at what point does himself and his agent sit down and say, actually, we maybe, you know, cut ourselves short here. We should have, you know, only done a five-year deal, which Dak mm. Prescott only wants to do a three- or four-year deal at the moment. That,
2: that seems to be the mill, in the middle, and there's no opt in the contract. So he can't come back to the table at any stage.
0: Well, the the, the two things I will say, though, is that they've announced is there is a no trade clause. So Mahomes does still have quite a bit of leverage, an important leverage there. From the Chiefs' perspective, doing the 10-year extension at least means you can legitimately say to him for five or six years, go away with you and stop annoying us. Whereas in the normal five-year deal, you start having that conversation even after two or three years about extensions and rolling on. The one nuance that I would love to know the detail on, I'm just going to say from my perspective, is they keep referring to that there are opt-outs in, if certain conditions are not met. And the thing that keeps going through my mind, I mean, you, you rightly Gordo Gordon said, least Einberg Jerry Maguire's based on, he's been around forever. He used to do Troy Aikman and Steve Young's contracts, for Christ's sake. So this man knows what he's doing in baseball and football. I wonder whether there are some conditions tied to the fact that the contract still has to represent a guaranteed minimum percentage of the salary cap, because that's really the only way they protect themselves long-term from a client perspective, from a player perspective against the rising cap. I honestly actually am surprised it's not bigger guarantees. I'm surprised it's not a bigger dramatic change like Kirk Cousins fully guaranteed contract like being an explicit, Commitment to a minimum level, or something like that. But maybe there's something buried in the detail. Like they've been a bit oblique about that piece.
2: And and I would I would agree with you on that, Merrick. Up to the point of we actually don't know what the cap is going to be next year because of COVID, and whether there's going to be fans in the stadiums at any stage of the season, which is a big impact. So obviously they're they're looking at what they can do in terms of is the cap going to be reduced next year? So you're not looking at where for the past five years the cap has continuously gone up year by year. So you kind of legislate for that coming down the line. They don't know where it's going to be next year. Potentially, it's going to go down.
0: Yeah, true. I, I, I. No, I think is if I was drafting it, I would have put it in for the, the outer years. Like you have to accept the f- five years of fix, but then maybe in the outer years you get, you know, some flexibility. We'll see. We'll see. Um, it's okay,
2: one more theory One on the. Sorry, Mark. Yeah. Just um, bear in mind if you look at the money initially for year one, year two, year three, has Mahomes potentially? gone down a Tom Brady route to a certain extent in terms of this is an opportunity for us to be dominant for the next four to five years You know, I don't think we're going to see another Patriots situation over ten years but potentially with the team that they have Chiefs could win the Super Bowl this season if it goes ahead and maybe, maybe the year after they'll always be in the you know in the shake up and is he thinking right I can potentially win four or five Super Bowls here, three maybe and then I get my money at the back end of the country
0: yeah, because there's another 50 odd million in potentially earned uh, incentives as well. Like, I think it's two and a half million if they win the AFC Championship, two and a half million if it becomes NFL MVP. So, there's I, I disagree fundamentally with the second one because then what point does Mahomes worry about individual stats over the team? I think he's too good yeah. a player in person to do that, to be honest with you. But um, it's interesting they put that in. Um, but yeah, I agree. I think it's an opportunity for long term dominance, long term stability he becomes their best free agent law for the next 10 years as well. Hey, we've got Pat Mahomes locked down. Come and join us. Come with us for the next few years. He's, he's not going
2: anywhere.
1: I think the, uh, the injury guarantee is the one that I kind of look at kind of going, it's very striking to see it as such a large number. And I think, you know, Jerry Steinberg has kind of looked at it and said, and probably Patrick Mahomes, like he plays a style of football that is not conducive to staying healthy long term. Um, he is going to take hits He's going to run the uh, run out of the pocket So they've kind of secured themselves there With a nice healthy uh, Guaranteed injury uh, Clause of 141 million um, And yeah I just think Look it's a smart move by the Kansas City Chiefs uh, They drafted him 10th overall in 2017 He's worth every cent Based on two full seasons of football It just comes down to Maybe this is the future of NFL contracts the Proper long term when you find that franchise quarterback you tied him down long-term and Deshaun Watson um, has come out now and people within uh, Texas are kind of saying, he's going to be here for the next 10 years as well. Or sorry, Houston um, is going to be here for the next 10 years as well. So I think more quarterbacks kind of going, yeah, I'd rather get the security over the biggest annual paycheck.
0: Three things. And what you just said made me think of different things. One, Lee Steinberg you called him Jerry Steinberg picture blurring a bit there Gordo um, secondly you rightly bring up he was drafted 10th in the 2018 draft and again sorry Noel but if you're a Bears fan and you're looking at drafting Trubitsky second and trading up to draft him uh, you are still questioning your sanity and decision making there yes. um, that's,
2: just, that's still a raw one I imagine
0: I know I, I know I shouldn't do it but I can't help it um, and yeah um, you know, I, actually, that's an interesting one as well. He's in a bit of strange company, I'll say. Not illustrious company, strange company. Since they introduced the salary cap, as, not the salary cap, the rookie wage scale, there's only been three other quarterbacks who have been um, given an extension after their third season. So the third season is the first time under the CBA they can get an extension. And most teams wait for the fourth year and give them the fifth year option because – they've got the flexibility to do so for so first round quarterbacks, the thing Tannehill in Miami didn't really work. Um, uh, Carson Wentz in the Eagles has the talent, but can he stay healthy and Jared Goff with the Rams and obviously a great Super Bowl run, but has he been found out by defensive coordinators? Um, you know, I don't think Mahomes falls into that category, but it's kind of just strange and striking to me. That's kind of an interesting bunch of people, shall we say? He's so, certainly
2: um, above all levels. You know, it's yeah. every 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 few years a generational player comes along. But
1: problems. I also I also think with a lot of the things it comes down to when you mention those names you just mentioned, like you have Miami, uh, you then had, uh, sorry, who was the last quarterback you mentioned there, Mark?
0: Sorry, Wentz for the Eagles and Golf for the Rams.
1: Like he's in three very very hard environments to play in, whereas you have got Kansas City for. Patrick Mahomes and then if you look at the one the greatest ever you had Tom Brady in New England like, they're, like those environments play to the success and longevity of QBs versus the likes of Miami and, and Philadelphia
0: True true. God, I hate to correct your English but you used the wrong words there you said one off and you should have just left those words out <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> So Mark once you're there and you're talking about Brady uh, maybe we should talk about your new quarterback or potentially your new starting quarterback
0: uh, yeah, um, so I started off by talking about Newtonian with good reason. Um, yeah, Cam Newton, I'll, I'll be honest, I kind of would have dreamed about it in one respect. It's kind of wondering what Belichick could do with him, particularly if he could get him for the minimum veterans. Uh, never thought Newton would sign for that level, but with, I know, COVID 19, inability to prove his health to other teams and everything, maybe. Uh, the Patriots are the right team to take a flyer on it it it, it sounds almost ridiculous we're talking about someone who's MVP in 2015 led his team to the Super Bowl to 15 in one season um yes he's had injury problems but seems to seems to have recovered and he lands in the situation with you know I'll say one of the greatest head coaches he is the greatest but I'll say one of um of all time so it seems ideal. Um, He's definitely going to be a different uh, kettle of fish in uh, Boston and a different kettle of fish from Brady. Um, but it's a good situation for New England to at least have something to play with and something to do at a very cheap and affordable cap level. So,
2: I saw that I uh, Josh McDaniels in particular was very excited about the signing because there was a particular game a couple of years ago, Mark, you may remember, where Garoppolo was injured and the back of Brady had been suspended and they had to go with Jacoby Brissett on the Thursday night game and right. everybody said, that's the Patriots in trouble, and they went out and won the game yeah. convincingly. And that's 20, 27
0: zip against the Texans with a bootleg run. Yeah, on a
2: Thursday evening, Thursday night game. And they said that that particular playbook was just brought out of nowhere. And McDaniel's always wanted to have something along those lines. He tried to orchestrate it with Tebow when he was in Denver. So I'd imagine he's bringing back those type of play call. I think,
1: I, think, I think one of the other big pieces is as well is uh, the Patriots have never beaten Cam Newton. Uh, he's two and zero against the. He's two and zero against the Patriots, and as we all know, Belichick uh, appreciates class and uh, and quality when he sees it. So, I it's it's a brilliant signing. It just like it's not really left field. I think everyone knew that Cam Newton wasn't going to rush and sign with anybody. He didn't feel he needed to, and I think you've kind of listed some of some of his stats and attributes. So I think it's a great landing spot. Um, again we don't know the full story of his injury or how he's doing, but if you look at his social media posts that he's putting out, he looks like in some of the best shape he's ever been in. He's training, he's healthy. Um, If he has a proper O-line in front of him and a proper, you know, coach, like this, this could be a great year for you guys.
0: Well, it could be because the o line's getting healthier. Hopefully um, Isaiah Wynn can hold up for the year. David Andrews, our centers coming back from blood clots in the lungs. Like, and they franchise Joe Tuning. They're gonna obviously lean on the O line and the run game a little bit more. Um, you know, I don't want to get carried away. The Patriots have definitely dropped a massive notch with Brady leaving. With other changes, obviously, we're gonna lose a lot of the talent. On or we have lost a lot of talent on defense. Um, and I think you know, people like the Bills are gonna start the season as the AFC East favorites. Uh, kind of, it's bizarre when you look at the the talent to, the differential suggests otherwise. But, you know, if they can get the aura and mystique going and keep people in fear, then maybe maybe all hope is not lost and the, the franchise continues uh, uh, again. But, um, but yeah, like I say, I mean, it's actually been an interesting uh, while for those veteran quarterbacks generally. We talked about Newton, obviously signed really at the, the absolute base minimum um, with some incentives, but they're all um, not likely to be earned, so they don't count against the cap again. Brilliant salary cap manipulation. There's about eight teams in the NFL that actually do it right, um, generally. I mean, the Eagles do a very good job. Packers do a very good job. Uh, Patriots, of course, but, you know, it's uh, it's an art form. Um, But there's been a few other veteran quarterbacks, Brian, who have signed kind of more in backup roles, but could end up being quite important as the season goes on as well.
2: Yeah, well, since we last sat down and had a, a podcast, Andy Dalton has signed for the Cowboys which kind of came out a bit out of left field. Um, I think a lot of people were pushing for Dalton potentially to end up at the Patriots or somewhere else where he, he could really challenge for top spot in terms of being the quarterback there. I mean, people are kind of very down on Andy Dalton. I still think he's a bit to, a bit to give. him. Mean, he he got the Bengals to the playoffs a number of years. I know he always went down in the wild card, but consistently he was a decent enough quarterback. The last couple of years, he's had very little to work with and he seems to be just a fog guy there, and obviously they're moving in a different direction with Joe Burrow, but I just think it's an important one, because as a saw gardener earlier today, he says, this season is going to be like no other season, and where quarterbacks tend not to get injured and play the season, we're not just talking about injuries anymore. If a quarterback, for whatever reason, yeah. comes up, comes down with COVID, he's gone for two weeks, there's no here, there, and yeah. he's out of picture. So I think the reliance on a veteran quarterback this year as a backup you could find that I think Dalton, in particular, I mean, if Dalton was to play two or three games, could he win two or three games for the Cowboys with the players they have? Around? I'd imagine so. And I think that's I think a, it I think it was, a very smart move by the Cowboys.
1: It was one of so when we when we were texting about this earlier on, I said it's it's a non-starter. It's not really worth discussing. And Brian was adamant he disagreed with me, and I kind of looked further into the contract, and I've now changed sides. I agree with uh, Brian. Like the Cowboys here, Jerry Jones has done what Jerry Jones does best. He's gotten a deal that just makes little to no sense for Andy Dalton, really, uh, and all the sense for the Cowboys. They're paying Andy Dalton only three million guaranteed on a one-year, seven million contract. It's only two hundred and I think it was seventy grand more than whoever the backup QB was going to be. I don't even know his name. He's he's an unheard of. So like, it just makes all complete financial sense, and then. Few of the articles I kind of read on the kind of details of the contract was for him to make anything of the, the over the three million. It kind of goes Dalton will have to play the equivalent of eight regular season games and appear in the majority of playoff snaps in order to make above the three million.
0: Well, look, I mean, we, I don't think it's going to be the first and last time we talk about the Cowboys contract and quarterback in the same sentence this year. Um, you kind of alluded to, you know, Jerry now has a bit of an issue with Mahomes' deal being done because Dak Prescott's going to say, show me the money, Jerry, quite loudly. Um, so, yeah, I agree. Great great little move to secure the the stability there. Um, but it wasn't just Dalton. I mean, look, I, I know you're going to come to others, Brian, but it's actually funny. I mean, this year people have come him quite a bit. This was probably felt like the first year where we had more than 32 viable starting quarterbacks in the NFL and you actually had an influx and people were going, Oh, geez, I'm going to have to take a backup job. Like Marcus Mariota going to the backup job of the Raiders and, and things like that. It's kind of a case of, um, usually we're saying there's 10 elite quarterbacks, 20 decent quarterbacks and others who make up the numbers. Um, but look, we've got plenty, plenty of decent quarterbacks. He's still no space for Colin Kaepernick. But um, we won't talk about him, Brian. But who else has actually signed a deal in the last one?
2: Joe was another one. He kind of didn't have the best seasons in, uh, in Denver with the Broncos. And obviously they've moved in a different direction with, with, uh, with Drew Locke. So he's gone to the Jets. I think I wouldn't say necessarily this is around the opportunity for him to start. But I think it's a, tr- it's a trust thing with Darnold. Can he stay fit? In the last two years, he's had injuries. Um, again, Joe Flacco, if you ask him to win and win a couple of games for you, potentially he could do it. It's another smart move. Very little in terms of contract, 1.5 million. Just another one that makes sense. So I just think you're going to see situations this season where these guys are going to play. As some say, if it's not these guys. It's going to be someone else. I mean, the joint brought in Colt McCoy, you know, again, he was with the Washington Redskins last year, played a couple of games, won a couple of games. It's just interesting to see what happens.
1: I'm with the Joe Flacco one. It kind of, uh, we we didn't kind of discuss maybe chatting about this, but it just feels like as long as Adam Gase is at New York Jets, any move the New York Jets make is just pointless because they're just a doomed franchise. From everything you're reading about, is in it's, it's it's like, but it's actually Like is in when enough people are saying the same thing, something has to be true about it because the amount of articles when you type in New York Jets Adam Gase with titles that have the subject matter of stuff like he is like going to ruin this franchise, like there must be some truth to it. And there no, has to be.
0: No, Gordon, it's, it's impossible because how can you ruin something that's already in ruins?
1: No, I, no I, underst- I understand that. I appreciate that, Mark. But like he has, like Jamal Adams putting in a, 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 a trade request. It seems to be the nub of all issues in New York Jets at the moment for all of their players is Adam Gase. He, he is not a head coach. He, from anything, he seems like a bit of a, a weird kind of personality. So I don't. I. It's just an interesting one. But again, he's in a franchise. that will let him stay for another two years. He stayed longer, than he should have stayed in Miami. And it just feels like he. This is probably his last chance, and he's out of the league.
2: A very interesting point on Jamal Adams, uh, Gordon. He's like he's failed to understand the logic behind how they're doing the business with Joe Douglas, the general manager, because at the end of last season, like he's another player, another rookie, you know, I his team's in the second year that's completely outplayed the rookie contract. Albeit he's a safety. And he's, again, he wants to get paid. The Jets are very much in a position where they don't have to pay him because he's got a couple of years left. Like Mahomes, it's probably did the exception to the rule the of how soon he's got that contract. But the Jets are looking at him. Just be patient. You'll get your money in the long run.
0: Mm-hmm. He
2: obviously feels he wants to get paid now. And, uh, but interestingly enough, at the end of last season, His agent is adamant he was given the commitment, but by the draft, you'll have your contract. And the Jets will then move in a different position, sorry, move in a different direction when it comes to the draft, which they've done in terms of where they went with their picks, offensive line, first round, wide receiver, second round. But he hasn't got the contract that he's been promised. He's grown frustrated. He said, enough's enough. I want out. I can't see him getting traded. You know, unless he sits out the year, he ain't going anywhere.
0: Yeah, and, and Gordon, I know you're, you're talking about the, the root of all problems probably stays with that. I'm with Brian, by the way, I don't think Joe Douglas is going to budge on this. I don't think he can. Like, I mean, it's his first big decision as GM, and he's got to lay down the law in terms of what he wants to create, but Adam Gates, ever since that infamous introductory press conference with the bug eyes and, you know, New York Post and everything slapping all over the front page and back page and, and making him figure of fun, it was like, this guy's an upward journey, and Look, count me amongst the people that when he started in the Dolphins and he had that, that first good year. I was thinking, okay, you know, this guy has something. But, but ultimately, I think he, um, you know, he needs to write a big card to uh, Peyton Manning, which says thank you all over it. And when Peyton asks him, what are you thanking me for? He just has to be honest and tell him, my career. Because it's really, he's still living primarily off that great run in, in Denver when uh, at the wind of Manning season. I mean, other than the one good year in, in, Dolphin, in the Dolphins, that's all we've seen from him. Um, was the great offensive coordinator work he did in the Broncos and that one first good year. And it seems like a downward spiral. We'll see this year if they can turn it around. Obviously, Darnold didn't have a great year last year. I mean, getting mono of all Things it just seems like the most snake bit franchise in so many different ways um, at different times. Don't don't get me wrong. I love every second of it. I enjoy it immensely as a Patriots fan. But um, it's still uh, it, the only appropriate expression is gooboo. Yeah, it is totally gooboo. it's totally goopy.
2: Is it a false dawn that when they finished the season reasonably well, they won six the last eight games, but you could argue the games were against yeah, lesser but, opposition? So it's difficult to see. I, know, I don't think, think you
0: can take that as a building momentum for this year in any way. And Just on the
2: division, I know we're not getting into the division season. talk we're a bit early for any preseason predictions. And he said the Bills are the favourites. They may be the favourites because they're the snazzy favourites, but in the bookies, the Patriots are still the favourites, even money to the yeah, division.
0: Oh, I'll, I'll be honest. I think the smart money's on the Bills, and then behind that, the Dolphins. To be frank, but we'll we'll see. We'll get to the predictions in due course. Right. Um speaking of, and we'll get to the idea of what's going to happen for the season, but I mentioned very briefly something that's a bit gooboo. You know, we've talked about the Cowboys, we've talked about the Giants, we've talked a bit briefly about the Eagles. I mean, there's another team I believe in that, that particular division, the uh, NFC East, but I can't remember their name, Brian. What's the Washington, Washington, What what is it again?
2: Well, Washington Redskins for the time being, oh. but I, I really want to hear Gardo's opinions on this one. This is you know, uh, got to slip this one in late in the day. So I'm very keen to hear what he has to say. it will it, give me a good laugh. It, it,
1: it's, it's a really interesting topic to look at. I mean, we've all known it for ages, as in uh, Dan Schneider, the the owner inside in the Washington Redskins, is one of these kind of steadfast, do-it-his-way uh, or, you know, hit-the-highway sort of owners. And But I think the minute he hired Ron Riviera, things were definitely going to change in terms of their perception of the name change and then obviously the period that we're living in nowadays with everything that's been going on recently in the political and social landscape this was going to come up again Uh, and 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 the Washington Redskins can only for so long continue to have a name like that uh, when it oppresses so many people and upsets so many people but I think it's just more about the fact that it feels like there's definitely things going on in the background where people have been saying to Dan Schneider here Get off your high horse and start considering changing the name because if you don't, you'll be basically chastised away from the owner's group within the NFL.
0: I'll tell you who said it. FedEx, who are the main sponsor of their stadium and the biggest team sponsor. And they said it. And when money talks, they actually start listening.
1: And they start listening. And it's it's just, like, again, there's a whole... uh, uh, press release put out by the Washington Redskins. I, it was Ron Riviera's quote which was really interesting. He just goes, this issue is of personal uh, importance to me and I look forward to working closely with Dan Snyder to make sure we continue our mission of honouring and supporting Native Americans and our military. Um, and then it's just making sure that the name you know, makes sense and I, I just found it interesting when you start going down any of these Google deep dives, you start finding loads of different articles of absolute nonsense and then also just some funny ones. But there's kind of four kind of names that are being touted at the moment that potentially could be the new name. One is the Washington Red Tails. Uh, And don't worry, Mark, I have come with the history and background for all of these. So the Washington Red Tails uh, celebrates the World War Two. um Tuskegee Airmen, who were the first African-American military aviators in the U.S. Armed Forces. So the nickname uh, Red Tails comes from their planes, which had a distinct crimson tail. So that is one of them. Washington Warriors. um, And it's worth pointing out, which I found very interesting, that Dan Schneider actually trademarked this name back in 2000 when he was looking at trying to create an arena football team. This does seem to be the one that he probably has the personal preference for. But again, is probably the one out of the four suggestions still upsets the majority of people. So let's hopefully hope that Ann Snyder sees sense. The other one is the Washington Hogs, which uh, you probably know the backstory to that one a little bit, Mark, do you?
0: Um, We're talking about the university team related in relation to the Hogs as well.
1: Well, apparently the offensive line for the Washington Redskins back in the day were known as the Hogs. So that's, yeah, so so back when their Super Bowl title days in 1980s and early 90s, so uh, that's the other one. And then the final one is the Washington uh, Redhawks, which is actually the one name that is supported by the Native Americans. So yeah, that's the kind of we're in the dead season of the NFL, guys. Like this is the sort of stories we need to be talking about and taking serious interest in. Um, but no, look. I think most media publications in the U.S. don't refer to them to anything other than Washington nowadays. Um, they they've removed the term Redskins. The majority of them, unless you're Fox. Um, and yeah, it'll just be interesting to see what name they go with in the end.
2: And is there any uh, indication of how they're going to select the name?
1: Oh, it's going to be a, a thorough ter- 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 review uh, conducted with the best interests of all in mind.
2: I, what you mean is whatever, whatever one can be spun to make money. As yeah, a...
1: I just, I just wish I was the creative agency that was pitching for this because it's millions in the back pocket for doing <laughs> very little,
2: you know. Yeah. Okay. Very strange. So, but you
0: speak of you know the dead season of the dead part of the season, and I tend to. I mean, we had the excitement of the draft and free agency. Now, like Mahomes is going to devote the, a lot of the attention on the airwaves and the the press for a while, but. We're really trying to get, you know, ultimately to cut downs to pre-season. It's fast approaching and the league is still maintaining that they're going to have a normal season, normal uh, aspects, albeit that many locations may be without fans, um, but still running quite tight-lipped on their exact plans and exact measures that they're going to be adopted. However, Brian, I think it's fair to say there's a little bit of rumblings in terms of, well, yeah, you've been tight-lipped on it. The NBA still hasn't actually been able to get off the ground and hasn't started back its season because of indeed challenges in terms of having the bubble and high-profile players in, in that league opting out. Um, I think it's fair to say, even though obviously the NFL players are more at risk with lack of guaranteed contracts uh, as well in terms of financial risk, um, things aren't smooth sailing as to exactly how everything's going to pan
2: out. I think things aren't smooth sailing because... I don't think the NFL and Goodell and his, his men honestly thought we'd get to a situation where we're coming into mid-July and they're still dealing with the COVID situation. Obviously, other people are dealing with it, but you know the time we're coming from. In terms, of, they felt that yeah. uh, they take learnings from other sports coming back. They felt that the NBA and the, and the, the MLB would be back sooner than now, so they can obviously investigate things that they've done to help the situation. So they can't do anything on that side of things. The MLB is starting back on the 23rd of July. So I think it's too late in the day to start kind of grasping with them in terms of what they're doing. Um, Training camps are on schedule in terms of starting on 28. We are already seeing some things now that are kind of concerning, in particular training camps. So obviously they're putting in the protocols around social distancing in the dressing rooms, which is fine. I think it'd be difficult for the coaching team to have their correct meetings and have the right people in the in the rooms for doing all the playbooks and stuff but then you also talk about reducing the number of players that are available for each team to come to training camp down to 80. Sounds like a lot but normally it can be 90 and some teams have even stretched it to close to 100 where they have a number of undrafted rookies. Some tend to really go in on that and bring 15 to 20 and hopefully they find one or two gems that weren't drafted and they, they get them to you know very reasonable contracts and some players turn out to be very good, you know, over the years. Victor Cruz for the joints, that was the one that stands well, out for me. So that I think that opportunity is probably gone. Then you've got the situation around preseason itself in terms of the game. So so a couple of weeks ago the NFL proposed that they would reduce preseason down to two games and they would only play week one and week four because if you look at the schedules for each team, they're usually in terms of location, you know, either an away game nearby or a home game. So that's what they were looking to do. The NFLPA have responded by saying, no, we actually want you to cancel preseason altogether. I think the NFL are actually making the right call here trying to play two games because the players are saying, oh, we can do enough in training camps to get ready for the season. But the NFL are saying it's not so much about the season in terms of you getting ready to play games. It's actually more about taking learnings from the games. So, for example, if we go to week one and there's been no preseason games and the just played the Dolphins you know, in week one and three or four page players test positive a couple of days later and so did the Dolphins. Straight away, what's the next step? So they cancelling every game or they cancelling just those games. Or if you do a preseason game, take players out of that bubble and bring them over to play someone else. You see, the, you see what comes of that. Then quickly, really, you take learning. And then another thing they're saying, suggesting, if they play week one, they knock down week two and week three and go again in week four and put week two and week three at the back end of the season and then work to, try to understand the findings from week one around COVID. A lot of messy things, and they just don't seem to know. I wouldn't say they don't know what they're doing, but there's too many permutations here, and they just can't seem to get to the bottom of what they want to do.
0: I mean, look, they're, they're going to hopefully learn a bit from what even the Premier League are doing. They're back. Um, the cricket started back, which I know you're all excited about as well. But, um, you know, they're, they're going to try and take learnings from around the world. But it certainly seems... It's more challenging in the U.S. with the spike in certain territories like, you know, Texas, like Florida. There's five NFL teams covered in just those two states alone. Um, so, uh, yeah, and, and I, I do wonder, I mean, we've seen obviously a spate of people like Luke Keekly and, uh, and, um, and others retire recently early in their career, Gronk even before he came back, on health grounds. You know, Are we going to see a player... Maybe, because of a pregnant uh, uh, partner or something like that, decide no i 'm not going to play i 'm going to take the season out or i 'm going to take a couple of games out um, and how are the nFL or the individual team going to act you know um, respectfully towards that, or will they um, lots yeah. to the side i mean we 're all keen to see football being played again, I know, but we 're keen to see it being played with them safe and the right environment for all the players their families the support staff the coaches and everyone involved so
1: i think i think we've seen we've seen seen the league over here start up properly with the premier league etc but i'm not too sure what we should expect from a country such as america when you have someone like donald trump tweeting out what he tweets and then you have a crazed musician saying he's going to run as the next president like it's it's just a nation made for just not knowing how to handle crises or knowing how to you know, set themselves up. And the biggest well,
0: issue... We, we won't get into politics, but I I do disagree with that on one fundamental thing. The apparatus of the American government knows how to deal with a crisis and knows how to deal with stuff on a scale. We do have a challenge. Uh, they do have a challenge with the president who isn't averse in the apparatus. But I think, you I think Barack I, Obama, I, Bill Clinton, Ronald Reagan, Jimmy Carter, et cetera, couldn't handle this situation. I'd say, you know... Um, Johnson, even Nixon, for Christ's sake, they're all very capable and would be able to use the apparatus of the government in the right way. I think, yeah. I just, don't, I, don't, I don't think,
1: I don't I don't the communication is there between the NFL and the NFLPA, and never has been. So that when crises like these happen, we're never going to get to a place where there's a sound footing of how to approach a season because they're never going to agree. And like, to be honest, it does like everything. It's such a such a huge sport for NFL teams to have your. Pretty fifty-two man rosters, training bases, etc., and just when during a COVID like this, I just don't. I think they're trying to do what the Olympics tried to do, which is put off, put off, canceling, or pushing anything back. When I just think they're at a stage where they need to just potentially either talk of a shortened season, a delayed season, or a null and void season, because I'm not sure how you can play this. And then, as Brian mentioned, there's these potential opt-outs of certain players, which. I again don't fully understand how that would operate from a cap space for teams. If a high profile player decides to opt out for the season, what does that mean for the cap hit for this year versus the rest of his contract, etc.? Yeah, it's I mean, just a lot of permutation
0: as well, Brian. I mean, because I know you can you, maybe you have more on this, but like, I mean, is it even they can opt out part way through the season, or is it from the outset they've got to declare like Dwight Howard and uh. Um, I forget uh, was it Russell from the Lakers and the NBA for example the um,
2: information this evening and it has it only come out in the past few hours that the, they are going for no players to opt out for the season and they're going to put a timeline in place in the next few days in terms they have to make a decision by that date but it's an opt out for the full season they just um, they don't want teams to have a situation where a player decides in week 10 because his team is about to rock into the playoffs as the four seed that all of a sudden he's ready to play and he comes back fully fit and fresh and he can be a deciding factor for the team. So you're either in or you're out and uh, you have to make a call by a certain date. But me and Gordon were discussing earlier, it's it's a strange when they haven't really, now I'm sure they're working on it at the moment, but they haven't put any information out in terms of what that means for the cap. Does the player defer a salary for the year and that contract rolls for another year? I imagine that wouldn't be what, what the clubs would want. And mm. uh, does the player continue to get paid? All of these things well,
0: yeah, I mean, you'd have to, you'd have to think from a, from a team perspective, you're going to say everything just um, rolls over for the year. I'm not paying him. He doesn't count against my cap, but he'll count against the next year and stuff. That, which, again, I think you alluded to, could be bizarre next year because the cap, instead of going up, could go down. But That's um,
2: fine until a player who, I don't know who I'm going to throw out here at the top me um, at, let's just say a top five average salary of a wide receiver, for example, Julio Jones. Yeah. he's on massive money, says no, I'm not playing this season and he's eaten forty, fifty million of your cap. You know, it's all right if it's two or three running the mill players that's only absorbing ten million and probably aren't really that impactful over over the course of a season. But if a standout player, you know, Devontae Adams from Green Bay, something along those lines, Saquon from from her perspective, you know, I'm not playing. It's it's an unusual one in a way, yeah. <laughs>
1: It feels it feels like they're trying to accommodate everyone, as opposed to trying to find the best route of getting football on the field. As in, it, there there's talks about for every state and every stadium how many people can we fit in a stadium, this, that, and the other. When realistically, if they were to follow the models that have worked so far in the German league, the Premier League, you just play in front of empty stadiums. Like you, you look at the best route forward to get a team on the field, uh, and that seems to be by playing in front of empty stadiums to minimise the impact of potential COVID risk Uh, and it does probably mean locking down your team in a quarantine zone for 17 regular season games for the year and like you know I think players will probably take that I suppose, not risk but will take that on board and say well it's worthwhile doing it for one season to make sure the season can be played
2: Yeah I didn't like, um, just going back to the point around empty stages I didn't like Goodell's response to that. He's basically putting it on the, the state in which where the team is uh, comes from. Because what he's saying now is if if New York, for example, or Boston says, you know, the if the mayor says, yeah, you can have people in the stadium. Potentially, you could be playing the stadiums one week, which is full. Then you have a home match the following week which is empty. I don't think it's a fair it's not balancing, it's not balanced there in terms of teams getting the advantage one week over the next. You know, I just think if it's gonna if it's a season and there's nobody in the stadiums just go the whole season, and I yeah, don't agree, Mark. No,
0: we said it at the top. We said it at the top, Brian. It's all about the money.
2: No, I understand. Well, that. I we're looking for me. What you believe to be fair, you know, from
0: a public health perspective and a fair competitive basis, I'm, I, I concur. But they're going to be way more. And and look, don't get me wrong. The the, the other thing about this is there are behaviors by certain players and Tom Brady I think is the biggest culprit in this regard that have to be called into question in terms of like having get togethers and mini quarterback training camps in the state of Florida where things are growing rampant again with the second phase Uh, and you kind of look at the other quarterbacks and a number of them have said no 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 we're we're doing zoom calls we're not meeting up we're trying to socially distance and uh, yeah I mean it's a rare misstep. Uh, well, he's had a couple, I suppose, but it's certainly a misstep oh. in that regard. Right, um, Breaking
2: break news, Mark Cockrell yeah, talks negative it. of Tom Brady.
0: Yeah, but he's, he's, look, I can justify I mean, he's trying to get an advantage or something like that, but he just doesn't. Nothing
2: new there, Mark, huh? What? Nothing new there.
0: <laughs> I love it, Brian. I love it. But look, um, Oh, I mean, we had Independence Day. Actually, was the Mahomes news announced on the day after Independence Day? It was,
1: was mm, Yes, correct. Was July 5th or 6th, I
0: think it was announced. Yeah. Um, I, I came across a great trivia thing, which I knew before and I learned again, which was uh, there were three American presidents and the first five inaugurated who all died on Independence Day. Adams, Jefferson and Monroe. Just one of those random things. It was kind of like, so you've named the day Independence Day and you've celebrated it and through your first five presents end up dying on it. But anyway, um, I was just kind of thinking the juxtaposition of Mahomes. Some people have a bad day, some people have a great day. Um, but one last stat, which is more relevant, back to the NFL stuff. Trivia question for you, gents. Patrick Mahomes is going to earn, yeah, a, a sizable chunk of money. We'll see how much he earns by the end of his career. And Brian's gearing up for this, I can tell. But which NFL quarterback has earned the most money from NFL salaries during his career?
1: Sam Bradford.
0: Nope.
2: Mm. A racing quarterback.
1: Oh, Matthew Stafford. Nope. Okay.
2: Pay Manning. Nearly there. Brett Favre. Eli Manning. Oh, I, I, I hold me hand, Shouldn't shame right, You right,
0: yeah? should. You should. I'm surprised. 252 million, I believe, and Eli 248 million. So again, let's put that into comparison in terms of Patrick Mahomes' contract. If 252 is the most earned so far. He has absolutely potential, health willing, to blow that out of the water. But you know, it's it's hard comparing eras because, of course, you know things naturally grow. I mean, Josh McCown, for Christ's sake, more over his career. Than Dan Marino or John Elway, for Christ's sake. Um, but I will leave you one last comment, which was Josh McCown's tweet.
1: Oh, thank. God. I, I was I was literally about to ask, did you have a Thank God, brilliant.
0: So McCown tweeted, um, <laughs> "Oh, twelve years and X million. Is this better than one deal? Or one, sorry, is this better than twelve one-year deals with twelve different teams? It was. It was beautiful. It
1: was. It was well. It was well played
0: by him." I messed it up a little bit, but it was, yeah, is this better than one-year one, de- one year deals with 12 different teams? It was, uh, it was beautifully done. He comes
2: across as a very likeable character, doesn't
0: he? Definitely, definitely. But um, mm. I think, yeah, he's earned 55 million, like I said, more than merino, So was, <laughs> he had a few quid to, to enjoy and celebrate. Um, one day, guys, one day we'll, we'll play, you know, <laughs> NFL. <laughs> like
2: we, right? But Gordon, we certainly won't. We're passing now at this stage.
0: Gordo Gordo's still got it in him. I can tell. I can yeah. tell. To burst out. Um, but no, if there's nothing else, gents, I think uh, I thank you once again for your company, as always. Um, you know.
2: Hey, please God, we'll be uh, we'll be doing tr pre-season training camp uh, podcast leading up to the new season and we can move away from the conversation we've had tonight.
0: Absolutely. Well maybe we will even be able to do it in person, you know, depending on Social distancing and things like that, you know. Yeah, uh, as, as the old Iranian saying went, as uh, uh, Abraham Lincoln actually made famous in the 1860s, you know, this too shall pass. So that's the same with everything. And in time, we'll pass and we'll get into the NFL season. So, gents, it's a pleasure as always. I'm going to bid you good night and adieu. So, Gordo, thanks as always, appreciate it, Mark. And Brian, thanks as always, buddy.
2: Thanks, Mark. Thanks, Ron.
0: And thank you all for listening. Take care and good night.